was fun. So yesterday we had our final I Am Loved event here. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that today, but we have so much to celebrate. So this morning we're going to have uh, actually a lot more worship as we kind of literally fly through these Frisbees and we do some review of where we've been this summer. It's going to be a, a great morning. Um, I do have a couple announcements, so why don't you, I hate to totally kill the energy, but why don't you have a seat for a moment. Uh, again, if this is your first time at Conduit, we're so glad that you're here. You're so welcome. If, if yesterday was your first day at Conduit, hopefully that was a good introduction of who Conduit is. Uh, we were <laughs> to say that you're welcome here would be a major understatement. We want you to know that you're loved, and it's not just this cheesy, hippie, you are loved thing. Um, it's truly God's love that he's given us. He's given us the opportunity to let that love flow to you. It's beautiful, and it's fun, and it's amazing, and it's so spirit-led, and it's so spirit-filled that what he does in our lives, we can now share with you. So, again, just want to preface that, yes, yesterday is the elephant in the room. It was so much fun. We're going to address that a little bit later and just celebrate this morning. This morning we have the flock that's going to be leading us in worship. And again, like I said, there's going to be a lot more worship today. An opportunity for you to respond to God with his love to you. Respond to God with what he did yesterday, what he's doing right now, what he's doing in your life. So we've got lots and lots to celebrate. So the other thing I want to mention to you, a couple things here, is uh, we do this thing at Conduit called Open House. And uh, raise your hand if you've ever been a part of any of our open house. Woo! It's fun. So open house is basically like a small group Bible study. It happens throughout the week, um, whether it's on Monday night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it happens in homes all throughout our, our county. And it's an amazing opportunity for you to get plugged in. This is our marriage ministry. This is our men's ministry. This is our women's. This is like an all-encompassing doing life on life, like Eric talked about last week. It's an opportunity to get to know one another, to go deeper in the Word, go a little bit deeper to what we, from where we taught the weekend before. And here's, like, one of the best parts. There's always good food. And so open house is something that you're going to want to be a part of. And this is for everyone, um, for anybody based on maybe location or just randomly picking one. But you need to know that next week is the week to sign up for open house. So if you've been a part of an open house, it's time to re-engage with that as we launch it here um, two weeks from now. But you can sign up for open house next week, okay? If you have any questions about that, see me after the service and we can talk a little bit more about open house. Um, another thing that's going to be a, a, a change on September 20th, we're beginning our new uh, service times. So what does that look like? So that means instead of 10 o'clock, we're starting two services, one at 8.30 and one at 10.30, okay? Sunday morning, 8.30 and 10.30, starting in two weeks, okay? So that weekend of September 20th is when we'll launch that. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Now, with that, we're excited about the, the, the growth that's happening with not just our conduit kids, but also with our babies. I mean, have you seen all the babies that have come in? Seriously, and thank God you can't hear them the entire service. And I know that's why you're really in here and not there, and you could drop your babies to be loved on and cared for. Well, we're really excited about uh, opening up a separate nursery because as we grow, we want to make sure that our kids um, have ample time to 
squirm around, roll around, to sleep, to be in a place that they can be uh, loved tenderly. And so this means a little bit different change. If we're adding two services, we need more nursery workers. We need more conduit kids workers. It's an amazing opportunity to serve and love these kids. So if you're interested in that, if you serve currently in nursery, or if you'd like to serve in nursery in the future, there's going to be a meeting for you, about a half an hour meeting after church next week. Okay? We'll feed you lunch. It's just a time to kind of go over about what that ministry will look like as it is growing. Another aspect, you say, you know what, nursery's not my thing. Babies cry when I hold them, that kind of thing. Well, you have an amazing opportunity for, to finish this second nursery. Uh, we have a registry at walmart.com where you can go and you can purchase different items that we need to be able to finish that and do that excellently. Um, if you go to walmart.com and you go to the baby registry, the nursery stuff, you can enter the name, first name is Conduit, last name is Kids, and you'll see all that we've picked that we need. So if that's something you want to do, again, walmart.com, Conduit Kids, okay? So, I think that's it. Are you guys excited? Yes. All right, cool, I'm excited. So this morning, I'm seeing this place fill up. So as you guys, uh, as time goes and you see more people come in, uh, maybe scoot closer together. Um, if you have a Bible, I want you to get a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, we've got Vinny's in the back. He'd love to hand you one. Just raise your hand, and he'll bring one to you. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3 this morning. 1 John chapter 3 is this great anthem of God's love. Uh, I was talking to Pastor Ben this morning, and he was talking about the difference between, like, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16, and the difference of, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting, eternal, amazing life with God in heaven. But the transition from there to 1 John chapter 3 is this response. It's a challenge. It's a call that, all right, now that you know God's love, now that you've experienced God's love, this is what God's love looks like, okay? And we've hit this all summer in 1 John chapter 3, and this is a, a, like a, an exclamation point and a dot, dot, dot. I know that's bad grammar for what God is doing. This summer has been amazing. It's been so much fun. Summer fun, exclamation point, but dot, dot, dot. May today be a day of commencement. A day of sending you out to keep living, keep doing, keep being what Christ has designed you to be. How many of you this summer, or even yesterday, you received so much joy and happiness for, from what God is doing through you? You love to serve, right? Isn't it the greatest thing ever? Like, yes! Thank you so much! You guys served your heart out. You served your life. You've let your life be that that it talks about in 1 John chapter 3. Your life has exemplified love. It's echoed love. It's, it's screamed love. It's the love of God that we have and be given, and now we can share to one another. It's this amazing opportunity to, to say with our lives that what God wants to do to the people will happen through his people. Amen? All right, you guys get ready. And that relationship is the currency for change. All you all that are laughing, like, wait a minute, we're in church, he's throwing fruit. We got lots of stuff to throw out. This is a reminder that this is our life being sent out. And yes, it's messy, and sometimes it hits 
people in the head. And like, it's not always that, that like, wow, that was a horrible throw. But sometimes this is an opportunity for us to say this is God's work and hope and peace and passion and joy and ultimately love through us that brings change through relationship. We've studied this whole summer that relationship is the very conduit that God wants to use to change this world. He used it all throughout Scripture. And it's not this blurred line of, okay, it's about all these, the, the Bible is about all these rules and all these. It's this relationship. It's this book about relationship, what God wants to do through you to communicate love to everyone, regardless of race, regardless of socioeconomic situation, regardless of sexual preference, regardless of where they're at in life, regardless of whether they're an absolute mess or thinking they have all their stuff together. It's God's opportunity to use this thing called relationship to bring about change through the power of the Holy Spirit, through a holy God that has made a way for us to be with him through this amazing man named Jesus. So relationship is that currency by which we can have change. Oh, that's not a good sound. Come on. This is the, we do this every week. You guys need to hustle. I know you're sitting, but do what you can. I say the baseball game, do what you can to get that ball, all right? Even if it means stepping over others. Because, hey, relationship is the currency for change. All right. So this morning... Uh, like I said, we have a lot to celebrate. And so, because of that, we're going to be worshiping. As far as time goes, we're worshiping longer. But I want you to sing louder than you've ever sang. I want you to celebrate God's love for you. And if you're here today and you've not heard that yet, man, God is crazy about you. Not what some future version of you. But he is excited about you knowing his love, that his love, regardless of how good you think you are, or you're like, I am no good. Well, Christ fills that gap. And Christ is that conduit from us to a holy God. And so that's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason for us to do what we did yesterday. That's a reason for us to gather here and to be completely unified by literally this. Have you seen the front page of the region newspaper? Are you serious? This morning it says... It says, united by love. This is not some, that's right, goose pimples. That's amazing. I thought that was a Canadian thing, goose pimples. It's a Sherman thing. <laughs> united by love. This is not some cheesy hippie love. This is the love of God for everyone, for anybody to be reconciled. To be a friend of God because of the cross. And so, we move into a time of worship. Celebrate what God has done. So there's going to be times where the flock is going to be leading us in worship. And there's going to be a couple times we'll be popping up here and doing some review of where we've been this summer. But ultimately, this is a, a morning, an opportunity to celebrate who God is. Not was, not who might be, who God is in this moment. So rest in that. But stand and sing. Let's stand. Jesus, thank you. Suing you. Until you know, until you can surrender and say, My heart is yours, God. 
when, when Christ came to pursue us, it wasn't easy. It wasn't this simple path for him. Relationship is not easy. Relationship is not this simple path. You know and I know. We would agree that relationship is the currency for change. You and I would agree that what God wants to do to the people, he will, it will happen through his people. But we've also experienced that relationship in this moment, as God came, as he's, he won't relent, he won't give up until he has all of you. This is not a, a, a crushing, I can't wait to catch you and squash you. This is a, I want to pursue you, to receive you and all you are so I can love you, set you apart, and set you free. So for Christ, relationship was exposure to all the elements of life and death. Nice job. That's my man. That's... That's my man. That's... <laughs> that's amazing. He does sound and he does. That's awesome. Relationship is exposure to all the elements of life and death. When Christ is not relenting until he has all, he's running after you, he's pursuing after you, you're making it so, I make it so difficult for him. God, I don't want your love. I don't want to be received. I'm not worthy of it. Like, I have not done anything to earn it. That's what makes this so scandalous and so ridiculously amazing is because, guys, listen, we don't deserve it. None of you do. No one does. That's why Jesus came. He says, I'll expose myself to all the rejection. I'll expose myself to them not receiving me, my own people. God's people says, this is not the Messiah. This is not the one who's come to save us. He's, people still believe that. He was the one. He was the way. And he exposed himself through humility. He exposed himself through literally from the moment he was born in a manger next to animal poo. He, he lowered himself. Say, I'm not coming in with the red carpet. I'm coming in humble because I'm coming after you because I know that's where you are. That's where I am. And he lived among us, amongst us. And he was rejected. He was despised. Even to the point of death when they hurled insults at him, when they stripped him naked and they ripped his beard out and they yelled, crucify him, crucify him. He was exposed to all the elements of death and completely taking his last breath so that you don't have to. He exposed himself to death so that you could experience life. And then three days later, Christ rose from the dead. He literally, like, he's alive in bodily form, not just the whole, oh, he's alive. His body was healed. His body was raised so that you can have your body be raised one day and live forever and ever. He set the path. He's not just saying that Jesus is the way, he's the truth. He's like, like he's literally the path, the way to God, the way to eternal life. He exposed himself to all that for you. That's why he won't quit. 
That's why he won't relent. And that's why we have a reason to celebrate. You and I know, just like my buddy in fifth grade, when he leaned forward for the kiss to that girl, and she swerved, and he missed, it felt like death. It felt like rejection. But this gives us the picture that Christ, when we lean in to him, we find that he's already leaned to us. He's already come to us. And when you receive by faith what Christ did for you, intimacy happens. Intimacy happens. That when things heat up, everything changes. And when we experience intimacy, when things literally heat up and there's an energy to what's happening, everything changes. Nice job. That was amazing. That relationship is the bridge to that intimacy. Do you hear me on this? That, listen, dude, you guys are on fire. Yes. Like, this isn't the deal. God's not showing up with Jesus as a representative and saying, all right, time to perform, world. Time to rise to the occasion. Time to do the checkmark box of going to the temple, going to church, giving all your money. Stop doing all these things. And then we'll have intimacy. Then we'll get along. Then you can be close to me. No, 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 no. The whole idea of all the rules and all the things that the Bible talks about that, like, seem consuming, that was to show you and I that it's impossible to do it. Like, our world gets that. They look at the word of God, and they're like, this is not, I can't do this, I'm out. The whole point of it was the, the law was to show us that we are not good enough. We will never be good enough. But that's why he sent Jesus. Not only was he an amazing guy, did he humble himself. Not only did he perform miracle upon miracle, not only did he die for you and rise from the dead, but literally he fulfilled the law. He was perfect so that you don't have to be. But then there's this element in religion. Thank you. I needed that. Um, uh, there's this element in, in, in religious or churches where it's about keeping all these things. And then, and then we try to hide this. We put on this facade of like, I've got it all together and I've kept all these things and I do all these things. And no, 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 it doesn't work like that. That's not a prerequisite for intimacy. Jesus came so that he would be fully known, so that you could fully know him. So this is the definition of intimacy. This is what he desires. And whether it's literally the picture of intimacy and the marriage between a man and a woman in their bedroom to all the appropriate ways of intimacy between friends, all the appropriate ways of intimacy between you and your coworkers, this is a picture of what God has given and desired to have with you. And so the intimacy, the difficult relationships that we have, and the intimacy barriers that we have between one another, it's this opportunity to give to them first what God has given to us. So many times we start with this, like, well, if I just could get this right, if I could just get along with my father, if my mother would just see me and, and be okay with what I'm doing, if this would happen, if the world would see, if they just accept me for who I am. No, 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 no. Step back and know who God has accepted you for who you are. And not just to stay that way. He wants to radically change your life through the power of the gospel because the natural overflow 
the natural response of God saving you is, man, I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to be that way anymore. And I look to his word, and I don't want to live that way. He set me free to be intimate with him so that I can be intimate with everyone else. Exposing your life so intimacy is to fully know and to be fully known. You know and I know, you know and I know, when we lean in for the kiss, so to speak, when we experience intimacy with one another in friendship and coworker relationships, and I mean, especially spouse relationships, when intimacy happens, this is not always like, yeah, it's always awesome, we always get along, it's always like, once you get to that point of getting along with somebody, like there's never any conflict, right? Right? It's not happening, is it? Conflict happens because of intimacy. Every week this summer, we've studied about relationships. We've explored what God's word, perfect and errant, holy, is said about relationships, which actually, actually is a lot. Actually, the point of Jesus' teaching over and over and over was relationship. Relationship with God the Father that can flow now to you. But he knows, and I know, and you know, that sometimes things get rocky. And then even in the river, what makes the river or the creek flow so beautifully is not the calm. It's the rocky. And so we said that when things get rocky in our relationships, there's an opportunity for beauty. Yeah. We're doing awesome. When that beauty comes, we know that because of what God has done with us, it's not like a healthy relationship is not the absence of conflict. A healthy relationship is finding the pathways of what do I do about the conflict? What do I do when they offend me? What do I do when they said that? What do I do when literally they made me feel like this? What do I do when they what do I do when they've done that to my family? What do I do like these are the opportunities through love, through forgiveness, through hope, through peace, through passion, through seeing the heart of the Father to see that there's a way and that there's beauty. And that in any conflict, when we let Jesus come between us, naturally nothing else will. When we let Jesus come between us, naturally nothing else will. Man. That was a great catch. You guys are awesome. I think we're, we've only dropped one so far, right? Just one. All right, Vinny, it's okay. <laughs> Vinny, you catch, you've caught them every week, so it's okay. We'll let that slide. Conflict is a hard one. And every week, we've used this table. This table has been through a lot, right? <laughs> this table has been black, red, yellow, orange, all kinds of other things. It's been dressed up all pretty the week we did the Bounchik Wow Wow table was, was the intimacy week. It was all dressed up. We did the coffee. Like every week, this table has been something to represent that no matter what relationship you have, it's always an inv invitation to come to the table. In the week of conflict, 
The moment where we literally, we kicked this table and it fell apart and it sat here on the stage broken in pieces for a couple weeks. It was a reminder to us of what maybe our own life looks like. Maybe what our own relationships look like. We explored for two weeks the prodigal son, the prodigal older brother, and the prodigal father. And that one day, this man, this farmer, had two sons, and his younger son said to his father, give me all you have. I'm better off with you dead. Give me my, my inheritance now. And he took it, and he squandered it in a distant land. He partied until he had nothing left. And he said, Dad, forget you. And he was gone, and he was lost, and he was far, far from home, where his father had it all, but he left that in the pursuit of self-discovery, in the pursuit of I'm going to do what I want. And at the moment where literally he was about to eat the pig's food, he was so broke, he was so lost, he was so down that as he was about to eat that food, he had this aha moment, this beautiful moment where he remembered the goodness of his father. He remembered the heart of his father and he says immediately, I will rise and I will go home and I will tell my father I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy to receive your forgiveness, your love. And I'll just like let me slip in as one of your hired servants and literally the whole way home pursuing his father's heart again, but making that apology, trying to fix it himself. But yet he forgot that his father's heart, sitting on the front porch, every night was looking over the hill, dreaming of his son coming home, hoping that someday he would come and he would receive again the unmerited, unconditional love of the father. And the day that the father's dream came true was when the son walked over the hill and he saw his father running, pursuing at him. And at first, like you and I would be like, oh shoot, I squandered all my dad's money. I see my sin. I feel my sin. I feel my filth. And we respond in a way and we don't run to the father. We don't run to worship him, even though he's, he won't relent and he's pursuing us. We respond in a way of like, I don't deserve this. God can't save me. But as the father gets closer, he realizes that it's love that brings him home. And his father kisses him, embraces him. And the son starts with his I'm sorry speech and I'm no longer with you. He just, stop, son. And he gets on his high horse, so to speak. And the father yells to everybody back at the farm, get some shoes for his feet. He's going on mission for me because he knows now my love that will now carry to him. And no matter what he's done, he's received and now he's set apart to be on mission. Those are, are his feet. He says, bring a ring for his finger to say, he's always my son. He's always my boy. Bring a robe for his back to represent that, that, that my goodness of the Father, that my holiness of the Father is now clothing the Son, and that he is welcome home. And this is the best part, because we can't, as of yesterday, and 2,000-ish people that were on this property, we can't have a good party without good food, right? Was that food not amazing yesterday? And the, the Father says, the Father says, Kill the fatted calf, because we are about to party. And so that's what happened. And this party ensued because the, the son was lost, who's now found. 
He was dead, but now he's alive. This is the picture of you and I have been lost, been reconciled to the father. But the story doesn't end there. There was another brother. And the older brother was really, really, really upset about this. In fact, he was ticked. Have you ever been in that point where literally, like, you did what you're supposed to do, and they didn't? And, like, they're welcomed home, they're throwing a party, like, what about me? That's what the older brother was. And he went and pouted on the hill. And if you got more than one child, you know how this works. <laughs> wow. Reconcile, reconciliation is a tough one. Even yesterday, we heard this. We didn't hear it. We saw it. Eyes opened to the reconciliation of everyone. Peace was there. Regardless, whether you were the younger son or the older son, and knowing that all roads lead back to the father. See, there was two lost sons. The older son thought he had it all because of what he had done and worked for. He was just as lost. And this is a story that Jesus tells as a parable in Luke chapter 15. But when he's telling this to these, these people in and, and, and the Jewish culture, they would have known. They would have known. They would have understood that like where Jesus like ended the story for us Americans, we're like, what? The credits are rolling. Why is this happening? The older brother is still ticked. It's all like, what the, but they would have understood. What Jesus was trying to say is that Jesus would have been the better older brother. He would have been the good good older brother. That even though he had it all, even though he had completely done everything he was supposed to do, he would have done something different than the other older brother. He would have left home and he would have came to get you and brought you back, reconciled you back to a God, to a Father's perfect home, heaven. That's what Jesus did. He left the Father. He left the comfort. He left all he knew to come to this broken pigsty to save you, to save me. And the joy, it says in Hebrews 12, the joy of the cross, the joy that Jesus had as he took that cross and the nails went in his hands and the nails went in his feet was for you. He wasn't smiling, but he was filled like you were yesterday. I saw lots of smiles. But I know that regardless of whether you were smiling, you were full of joy because you love to serve. And that was Jesus' I am love moment with hands pinned wide to receive all brothers because all roads lead back to the Father. So that is conflict resolution. That is the moment where you and I get to come home. It's a moment where you and I get to be received by the Father. It's a moment where you, no matter what you've done or where you've been or where you were this morning or where you were in your heart, and I, don't, I can't speak for other places, but I, I can speak for conduit. Jesus loves you. You are welcome here. You are received here. Let's let this book, let's let this God, let's let this Jesus Let's let this power of the Holy Spirit bring us back to the Father. Amen? Let's sing some more. Would you stand? Jesus, we got lots to celebrate. God, as we come home, at this moment, God, we're not coming home practicing our I'm sorry speech. The price has been paid. You said it's finished because you've forgiven us. You've made a way. 
But as we confess and as we know that we fall so short, we also celebrate that you've called us near to the Father's heart. And at this moment, God, as we sing, as we worship, this this moment where you scream loud, bring a robe for their back, they're declared righteous. Bring a ring for their finger. 1 John chapter 3, we are the sons and daughters of the king. We are given shoes so that now we can keep being on mission. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Let's party in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because we love the brothers. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought lay our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the works, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Beloved, if if, if our heart does not condemn us, we now have confidence before God that whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him, the Father. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Love, we've learned, is not easy. And when things happen, we're exposed to that love. We're exposed to that intimacy. We're exposed to that conflict. But we're exposed to the resolution. We're the messengers of reconciliation. And as in any relationship, even when that fellowship is broke with the Holy God and He receives us as we confess our sins, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so it should be with your brother. That if they ask for your forgiveness, you should forgive them. And this thing happens again, where you begin to build trust. Trust. Just when we receive the love of God, and even maybe when we were singing that, and as these guys were doing such an amazing job of laying out that idea, and as we as singing over and over how he loves us, maybe you doubted that. This next part is for you. That the church is the place for doubt. Bring the questions. Bring the hard stuff. God's got answers. And even if we don't receive the answers. If you don't receive the, the, the process, he's patient. You see, this whole idea that trust and doubt, they're in the same boat. We have this beautiful opportunity that when we journey in this boat together, as we march forward, not only that we trust one another and we build that trust, but when we trust others, as, as Quint so eloquently described that when we journey well, we offer hope and encouragement to others. So when they see you forgive, when they see you respond by receiving them, there's this great opportunity to communicate the love of the Father, to live 
that out. This is the heart of 1 John 3. This is the heart of the Father. Trust and doubt. Maybe today you doubt. <clears throat> Maybe today you doubt that God can use you. Have you ever doubted that God could use you? But even maybe this weekend you've seen God use you? Anybody? I did. Um, about two years ago, um, actually two years ago, pretty much to the day, to the weekend, uh, two years ago, Labor Day was the first time I ever got to preach. Pastor Ben let me preach at Conduit for the first time. And I was in a spot in my life where I questioned that. I doubted. Can God use me? Can God um, work through me again? And so I was reflecting this morning and um, just writing some people and saying thank you. And just It's not about me. I get to serve with you guys. And I get to see that God can use me. That God is using you to change everything. So you need to know that trust and doubt, they're in the same boat. You question if God can save you. You question that God truly loves you. He does. You question that God is going to use you again and again. He will. It's not easy. But it's simple. <laughs> Amen, right, Christine? I say that all the time to her. She's, she's like, yep, right on. It's not, it's, it's not easy, but it's simple. God's waiting and he's willing to use you, to remind you of the gospel, to remind you of the love so that that can flow from, from, from him to you to them. And I haven't said it yet, but this whole, this whole summer's been about God's glory, our joy, and it's for their behalf. This is the design of what we're made for, is that when God's love flows through us, it's not just about my God, but it's about myself and my people. He wants to change the city. He wants to change your home, but he starts with your heart. And we have got to choose to trust. And we trust it communicates something. And I want to just say loud and clear as we kind of close here and we go in this last session of worship that if, if you're struggling with doubt, you're struggling with really believing that God is, 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 is trustworthy, that his word is trustworthy, that his plan is trustworthy, I want you to know that we've not, we've not spent a ton of time in the word today. A lot of it's been review as far as the time we spent. But literally the, the perfect word of God is full of people that have chose to trust. They chose to trust. We're in good company to trust. From the beginning to end, Adam chose to trust God, even when he stiff-armed God. And when he didn't think, he thought he ruined it all. He literally, think about the pressure of, man, I literally just ruined all, all of the world. In one apple bite or one disobedient moment, I ruined it for everybody. But he chose to trust, and it changed the world that someday God would send a redeemer. 
Noah chose to trust when God said, build a boat because this world will be wiped out. I'm pressing reset. But trust me that if you get in that boat and you get the message out, get the love out to know, get in the boat because God is going to come save the boat. Abraham trusted God when there was literally no physical way to have a child. God made a way through patience, through his plan, to bring more children to Abraham than anybody ever, more than the sands on the seashore. So because of Abraham, he trusted we're in good company. Isaac chose to trust his father Abraham because his father Abraham trusted his father God. That even when the, the knife came up to, to literally sacrifice Isaac, Isaac chose to trust, I believe, his father. So we're in good company to trust. Joseph chose to trust, even though that his brothers sold him into slavery, he didn't even do anything. His entire life was in bondage and like consequences that weren't even of his own, but he chose to trust for a lifetime. And God revealed that faith and that trust that he changed the world because he trusted Moses chose to trust when he didn't have the ability to lead the people. God gave him a voice through his buddy Aaron and through his brother Aaron and through all these people being led to freedom out of captivity because Moses chose to trust. The whole world was changed. Jo Joshua chose to trust even though he watched Moses for years and years how to lead that he would lead differently, but he would bring them home to the place that God had. And because Joshua trusted, the whole world was changed. So we're in good company to trust. David conquered kingdoms, made mistakes, flaws that marked and marred his life. But in that, he confessed. In that, he reconciled himself to God. And he chose to trust that the Redeemer could save him. And when David trusted, it literally, from Goliath to his sin to the end of his life, he chose to trust and it changed the world. So we're in good company to trust. Elisha, Elijah trusted through healing, through provision. Elijah, Elisha chose to trust. And no matter what the circumstances said, he says, like, God will change the world through me and through his trust. We're in good company. Daniel chose to trust. And the fact that there was all these lions in his face, even though all he did was stand up for what's right, and as the lions were in his face, he chose to trust God that this lion will not eat me. Therefore, the whole world was changed, and you and I can trust in him because of Daniel's trust. Think about all, all of the prophets who trusted the message, the hard message that God had for his people. That even though it wasn't popular, even though it wasn't always accepted, that they truly trusted God to deliver the message that God had. From Isaiah to Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, name him Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. All these guys, they communicated the message of love and hope, that hope is on its way. Trust in God because he's got a plan. And if we can trust in God for that message, then you and I are in good company. And in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, it started with this girl named Mary, who even though like, literally ridiculed the first and only 
conception happening through the Holy Spirit. No one's going to believe me. I'm ridiculed. My, my, the person I'm betrothed to, Joseph, is going to separate from me. I have no hope, but yet she trusted God, the one who gave her Jesus to birth this child to change the world. And because of her trust, because of her faith, you and I are in good company. When Joseph was in that same spot, when he thought, oh man, what's everybody going to think? What's everybody going to do? Look what I did. Or how are they going to believe? Or how do they believe? And it was in this moment where the angel came to Joseph and says, that baby is from God. And he chose in that moment, in the circumstances, nothing added up, but he trusted. And maybe you're here today and nothing adds up. I'm going to encourage you. You're in good company because of Joseph. You can trust. John the Baptist. Everybody wanted him to be the Messiah because his message was clear. Prepare the way of the Lord. He's on his way, and they even thought it was him, but he chose to step aside to let the king come, to let Jesus come, let the real Messiah come and declare the message of hope and love. That was John the Baptist. He trusted God. Even though the limelight was shining on him, he trusted God to step out of credit, to step out of the limelight, to say, you know what? It's all about Jesus. He's on his way. And because he chose to trust, you and I are in good company to trust. Peter, James, John, disciples, the early Christians, those that were literally martyred for their faith. I've been reading every night. This is not the greatest bedtime story, but for a nine-year-old, we, we get in his bed and we read a story from a martyr book about how these early Christians, they were burned at the stake. They were fed to the lions for sport, for the cause of Christ. And they said, I will not give up. My love for Jesus. And they chose to trust to the point of death. You and I, because of that, that world was changed. Our world has been changed. And you and I are in good company. But whether it's the disciples, the brother of Jesus, James, that was literally, according to Josephus, was thrown off the temple mount because he wouldn't deny his brother as the Messiah. And when he landed, it was not dead. And they gave him one more chance. And he says, I will not recant. Jesus is Lord, and they clubbed him in the head. He chose to trust to the point of death. I think we can trust to the point of life. But the greatest trust, the greatest one that trusted past any of us that could ever, past Abraham to the prophets to Mary or Joseph, the one that trusted the most was the very reason that we're here today. Jesus chose to trust his father in the garden of Gethsemane as he sweated blood knowing what was going to happen the next day, that he was going to be literally ripped apart so that you and I could be with his father. But he chose to trust, even voicing like, God, let this cup pass from me. But he didn't even finish his sentence without saying, but I trust you, not my will, yours. He chose to trust so that you and I can now trust him. That communicates something. That relationship is communicating to the world who God is to me. Who God is to me. I'm not going to throw this one. Relationship is communicating to the world who God is to me. You may have came in here today and you're all in. Like, all right, where do I sign? Where do I go? I want this Jesus. 
Your life will be radically changed. You will be set free. You will be forgiven. Not by signing up to do all kinds of stuff. Although once you sign up with Jesus, he's setting you free to do all kinds of amazing things. But I want to encourage you this morning, as we go into this last worship set, use this entire time. This right here is an altar. It's an opportunity for you to lay your life down for Jesus. And maybe you've done that. And maybe it's a morning of, I'm all in, Jesus. I recommit. I receive your love. Expose me to all the elements of life that you can bring. I want to communicate my life and what you are to me, God. And maybe for you today, you've not yet done that. I want to invite you with the biggest smile and all the love to say, Jesus has made this aisle for you. Come forward. We'd love to talk to you and introduce you to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, the one who trusted more than anybody could trust. And I'm leaving this up here for you. Would you let your relationship communicate to the world who God is to you? But if you don't know who he is to you, we'd love to introduce you to him today. So we're going to sing, and then Pastor Ben's going to come up. It would be so good to hear from him again, right? Next week, as we begin Luke, it would be so good to march back into what God has for us as a church. And what this means, this is a, today is a what now? We're not done. Like, we're done with summer fun. No more fun. But we are set loose. Kids, you are set loose to the school to be the love, the hands and the feet, the mind of Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, you are set loose into your workplace to say, my relationship with Jesus says to you, sir, that I love you no matter how big of a jerk you are. <laughs> that I love working with you. We're going to work this out. And I will trust Jesus. I don't have to trust your ex, but I will trust Jesus with you. And I will go and I will be who I need to be for you. And not a pious way, but in a loving way. It's not forceful, right? It's this beautiful opportunity. Ladies who have the People, parents, they had the most amazing job at home. Love your kids. Love your husband. Love your wife as Christ has loved us. That's fun. That's love. So would you stand? And as we go into this last part, feel free to come and pray. Feel free to sing loud. Feel free to respond to God for his love for you that can now flow to them. That it's about His glory, your joy, and their behalf.